As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I'm your host, Josh G. And today, I am joined by my first comedian on the show. Please welcome Mike. Yeah! How's it going, everybody? Uh, I can't please for everybody, but I can't complain on my side, so there at least there's that. I mean, I'm used to coming out on stage and being like, hey, what's going on, everybody? And you get like crowd response. So it's a it's a weird thing when you say, what's up, everybody? And it's just. Yeah, that, that's a bad night at a gig if you get that on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first thing you said. Oh, they really don't like me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all down. I think you can pull them back at that point. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about just being a comedian, your company that does the improv. Yeah. The good- um, yeah. So my name is Mike Brown. Uh, I live in New York City and I teach uh, corporate improv classes, workshops to uh, businesses and corporations and uh, trying to help people uh, work on their communication skills, public speaking skills, kind of get people out of their shell a little bit, have fun, you know, team building, that kind of thing. So um, so the company that I created is called Pineapple Improv. Uh, if you want, you can check it out at pineappleimprov.com. All right. Sounds good. And you, you're, you're taking me back to a movie that I honestly expected to, someone to bring me way before this. I've been doing this a little over a year now, and no one's brought me this movie. So when you did, I was like, oh, finally. It's not my first Spielberg, because I kicked off the show with Jaws way back when. But I don't think I've had another Spielberg since. Of course, we're going back to 1993. And oh, this is timely, because they've got a new one coming out soon. We're going back to the world of Jurassic Park. Dinosaurs and man. Two species suddenly thrown back into the mix together. Can I touch it? Sure. How can we possibly have the slightest idea what to expect? Universal Pictures presents a Steven Spielberg film. An adventure 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Rated PG-13. Special premiere tonight. Starts tomorrow everywhere. copyright (laughs) there you go (laughs) all right so tell us about when you first saw this i saw it in theaters in 1993 uh i was 11 years old at the time no a 10 because i hadn't had my birthday yet uh i was 10 years old this movie hit me at the right time in my life so like i don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to say that jurassic park is like a little boy movie i mean like this is for everybody this is this movie has a little something for everybody doesn't matter your age doesn't matter your gender doesn't matter whatever um there's a little something for everybody in this movie but i think we can kind of agree that jurassic park like its sweet spot is in like uh like teenage young teenage boys right uh between eight and 12 maybe and like i said i was right in the middle smack dab of that i was 10 years old it was the first movie I ever saw in theaters without my parents. It was uh, like my brother's birthday weekend uh, or like leading up to his birthday, something like that. And so he and I and then two of our other friends who were like the same age as, as we were, respectively, 
uh, we went out, the four of us, to go see this movie. And yeah, it was special because I got to go see it without my parents. But what really makes me fall in love with Jurassic Park is that it got me to believe in the magic that is storytelling in cinema. Like you believed these dinosaurs were real. It was the first time that technology had caught up to film in a way that was, I mean, you, you could argue that Terminator 2 kind of really started that trend with the CGI in film. And you're like, whoa, the liquidator, the T-1000, how did they do it? That looks amazing. But you also understand that there was a like a liquidated robotic technology that existed within that story, right? But within Jurassic Park, like dinosaurs existed. Like that's a real thing. And when you have this, you know, plausible storyline of, you know, we extracted blood from these mosquitoes that lived like millions of years ago. And, you know, we synthesized the blood and we pulled the DNA strands out of it and we put frog DNA into it. Like is just enough science there to get you to go. I, I believe that that's not so far fetched. And this also comes at a time uh, when like, uh, you know, James Bond technology in the 1960s, you look at and you're like, okay, that's pretty far fetched. But when you have the benefit of like 30 years of experience afterwards, you look at that same technology and you go, no, 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 that like that technology exists today. So even though like the DNA cloning technology didn't really quite exist in 1993, you could see when, when was the first time we cloned a sheep? That was 96, right? I was gonna say ninety. I was gonna. I was gonna say ninety-seven, but it's somewhere in okay. That Ninety-six, range. ninety-seven. Right. Yeah. So, like, we cloned a sheep for the first time, just a few years after Jurassic Park came out, which added to the credibility of the story of the film. And when you look at these dinosaurs on screen, the 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 CGI technology, even though it, it was in its infancy, looked so good you genuinely believe that these were photorealistic animals that you were seeing this on screen. So as a 10 year old kid sitting in the movie theater, yes, it's a thrilling movie. Yes. It's an exciting movie. Yes. It's riveting. And the performances are excellent and it's just fun. Aside from all of that good stuff, it got me to believe in the magic of storytelling. And if this is true, what else can be true? And if someone like Michael Crichton and uh, Steven Spielberg team up to make this absolutely game-changing movie and get you to believe in this absolutely insane, incredible thing, what could I get somebody else to believe in? And so this movie, re it means so much to me. Uh, I mean, like, for heaven's sakes, here, like, here's one of my uh, Jurassic Park pop toy uh, uh, T-Rexes, which if you're listening to the podcast, this is what, like an eight inch, uh, uh, nine inch Funko pop of a Jurassic Park dinosaur. Just the T-Rex. It's incredible. Like, it's such a fun, it's an inspirational movie. It gets you to believe in magic and, and gets you to believe in the things that, well, everybody said it couldn't be done but somebody did it, you know? Uh, I just, I love that. I love that inspirational story. I love the telling of the story. It's And who doesn't love dinosaurs, man? Who doesn't love dinosaurs? Oh, that's that's absolutely true. I was, 
seven going on eight. I hadn't had my birthday yet when I saw it. I saw this in theaters as well. And if I'm not mistaken, for listeners that listen to the show on a regular basis, Chad and Chris, who's on here quite a bit, I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters with them. And I just sat there in amazement as a seven-year-old little boy. I didn't pick up on really anything as far as like the science behind or the reasoning or I just didn't get into that at all because I was just like, oh, big giant dinosaurs. DNA, who cares? Dinosaurs. Yes, please. And then it became, I don't want dinosaurs around. They're bad. So, So, okay, let's hope not. But I don't know. I don't know the age of my listeners maybe for in case someone has not seen this tell everyone what jurassic park like the story going in i mean you basically told the reason at least behind it but so the basic story of jurassic park is uh uh there's i guess you could call him a mad scientist but he's not i mean he's not the mad scientist type there's an entrepreneur uh named john hammond who creates this idea he comes up with this idea of if we are able to extract uh, blood from a mosquito that existed 25 million years ago, we could potentially extract the DNA from that dried out blood, reconstitute it, and then clone dinosaurs, you know, from that DNA sequence that they found in the blood of whatever. So he comes up with this uh, attraction uh, island basically off the coast of Costa Rica called Isla Nublar. Uh, But, you know, the colloquial term for it is Jurassic Park. He wants it to be a theme park where, you know, you come to this resort island and have this incredible experience, you know, with amazing facilities, spared no expense, mind you. Uh, And you go into these Jeeps, these cars, I have one on the floor. It's it's a it's just out of arm's reach. But you get into these little jeeps and cars and kind of go on this predetermined track around the island, and you see all these different dinosaurs. You see the Gallimimuses. You see the Dilophosauruses. You go by the raptor cages. Don't mess with the raptors because they're they're vicious creatures. You go by the Tyrannosaurus cage uh, cages. Um, you get to see all of these different dinosaurs kind of in their simulated elements the problem that they quickly discovered is that uh to quote dr ian malcolm or jeff goldblum life uh 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 finds a way right you can't contain life life has a way of breaking free and doing what life is going to do so in the case of dinosaurs that's kind of a heavy metaphor saying Uh uh-oh, dinosaurs are going to break out of the cages and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, The villain, I guess you could call, of the movie is, uh, if anyone is familiar with Seinfeld, you have uh, Dennis Nedry played by Newman from Seinfeld and uh, Wayne Knight is his name, uh, played by Wayne Knight, Newman from Seinfeld. And he's just a computer programmer who just uh, gets an offer from an alternate uh, competing dino dna company hey can you steal us some samples of these uh dinosaur eggs why yes i can turns off all the security to all the park which is come on like you've got to see the writing on the wall like how do you not see how bad of an idea this is right so he turns off all the security to all of the park while the scientists and the paleontologists and uh the, the the science people and grandchildren this dude's grandchildren are out on this tour they're trapped 
right outside of the T-Rex cages when all the power gets shut off. Oh, by the way, there's a hurricane coming to the island. All hell breaks loose. And um, dinosaurs get out and eat a lot of people. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. All right. So I don't really get into spoilery detail on the show. That's kind of the limit. Well, it's a good thing that I only told the first, what, like 30 minutes of the movie? Yeah, probably. probably yeah. And then it goes from there. But here's what I do want to ask. What are yes, your sir. thoughts on... Well, we'll start with the original sequels first. What are your thoughts on the original first two sequels? So a Jurassic Park was an absolute triumph of a film. Uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, a few years later, did the follow-up. He, like, he made the adaptation of Michael Crichton's second book or his sequel, um, The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park, into a film. Uh, it was okay. Starring Jeff Goldblum. It was It was fine. The best part of the movie is when uh, can can I can I talk about the end of the movie? I mean, like these movies have been out for like thirty plus years. So if you haven't seen it, like yeah. So the best part of the movie uh, is when the T Rex comes to San Diego and just wreaks havoc across San Diego. That was fun. The third film, Jurassic Park Three, is just a wild adventure ride. It's not. A complete train wreck but it's also not a great movie it's just it's a contrived plot to get alan grant the main character from the first film back onto one of these islands where dinosaurs are running and with each film you come to find out oh no there was another island wait i thought there was only two no 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 there's a third island and like it just kind of like keeps growing right so it gets more and more contrived and then they do can can i jump forward to jurassic world Yep, go ahead. Go for so, it. So they do, they kind of reboot the franchise in what, 2015? I, yeah, that sounds right. With uh, Jurassic World. And I need to go on record and say officially, Jurassic World is not a good movie, but it is a fun movie. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's really dumb. It's really, really, but it's a well made dumb movie. It was so there's just parts of it where you're like this is so stupid but you love it because i feel like they captured the the essence of the heart of what jurassic park was now um let me back up just a little bit jurassic park unequivocally is a horror film it it is told in the same way a horror film is told um, they get you invested in the characters and you, they get you to believe in these people and what they're capable of. And then they set the stakes. And then the real horror of the film are the dinosaurs creeping out of the dark. And that's the gene, much like uh, Jaws is a horror film. It's not a slasher film. It's not a, a supernatural thriller. It's just, there's, it's a creature feature, you know? Yep. There's this animal that you can't really see that will present itself when you have, like, when you're not looking, essentially, right? And it will attack you and, you know, kill you and whatever. And the dinosaurs basically do the same thing. Sometimes you see them coming. Sometimes, like the raptors, you definitely don't see coming, right? So the first Jurassic Park film is told like a horror film. Jurassic Park 2, Jurassic Park 3... Jurassic World uh, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom do not follow the same 
story beats, nor do they try to create it like a horror film. I feel like if they did, that film might be a little bit more successful or it might be uh, better received in the public zeitgeist. And even though like Jurassic World is like the fifth highest grossing film of all time, which blows my mind, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good film. Uh, I, I think you definitely can have these moments of levity and uh, wacky dinosaur action, but, you know, make it a little bit more, uh, uh, let, the, let the audience fill in the blanks a little bit. Uh, another problem with the franchise is how many times are, like, can, can we play this story out? You know, hey, we created more dinosaurs and we know you didn't like the dinosaurs from the last movie. So we're going to genetically re-engineer a new one that's even bigger and scarier than the OK, we get it. Oh, no, it broke out and everyone's dying. OK, like how many times can you play that scenario out? Like what is a new direction? To and that, I think uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm really looking forward to this upcoming Jurassic World Dominion is because it's based on the premise that the dinosaurs didn't just get out of the out of the their cages they got off the island and they have now been living in the real world around the world for many years now and i think we can it, uh Josh i never cleared this with you how is cursing on your show oh you're good you're good good uh it's pretty badass to see uh uh chris uh what's it what's his bucket um Pratt. Chris Pratt. Pratt, thank you. Chris Pratt on a motorcycle going through the streets of Paris, being chased by velociraptors jumping at him like in Paris. Like what? So I, I, they are kind of taking this into a very different space than we've seen before. And that gets me excited. We'll just have to see, wait and see how that uh, turns out. Okay. Let's say they didn't make all these different requels the rebooting of the franchise the original sequels and they got to go the route you were talking about how would you what would you have liked to seen in a sequel to the very first one to the very first one so we're uh we're going to assume that uh of the five films that currently exist only one was ever made and i get to create film number two right and you you can put it back in the 90s you can bring anybody you want back what would you have liked to see oh man that's a great question well, I definitely would like for them to lean into the horror aspects of this a little bit more. Again, going like one of the reasons that makes Jaws work so well is that you never see the shark. I'm not going to say you never see the shark. You do see the shark. But for the vast majority of the film, you don't see the shark. You see the shark kill people, but you don't actually see the shark, nor do you see the shark coming. And I think that was one of the real strong suits with the first film is that they really built up this idea of you're, you're not going to see these creatures coming, but it's okay. They're locked in cages. Uh Oh, the cages are open. Right? So you set up, you get us to care in the characters. Uh, the second part that you need to do is set up expectation, but then put parameters on it and just be like, well, I mean, it's fine that they're the most dangerous things ever. And then the third bit is that they need to be released, right? So follow that same formula. You could do it with different characters. You could do it with the same characters. 
but get me to care about the people, right? That was one thing that failed so miserably with Jurassic World is that even though they were kind of likable characters, I get like Chris Pratt is always likable. You didn't care about uh, Ron Howard's daughter, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. You didn't care about Bryce Dallas Howard because she was, she wasn't that great of a character. She wasn't likable. She wasn't nice. So get me to believe in the character. And instead of continuing to genetically alter and create new types of dinosaurs, let's go back into the book of dinosaurs that currently exist. And let's, I mean, did you, did you ever read the book? Jurassic? No, Park? I have not. Oh, aside from the film being my favorite film, the book Jurassic Park is kind of tied for first place with Neil Gaiman's The Sandman for me. Like they are just brilliant works of literature specifically. Oh, I'm not going to say Jurassic Park is a brilliant work of, of literature, but it's so fun and engaging. There is a sequence in the book uh, and they alluded to it in the movie, but they, you know, ultimately they didn't go down this path where uh, Alan Grant and the kids, obviously, you know, they get separated from the rest of the group they get into a raft and they go whitewater rafting through the island because that's the fastest route to get back to the main house, right? Uh, where safety presumably is. And while they go whitewater rafting down this thing, uh, they get attacked by uh, pterodactyls. They get attacked by uh, not a mastodon, but there's a um, uh, like all these like sea creatures and whatever. Uh, and then the book even culminates in, uh, there's this underground raptor layer where there's 200 velociraptors in, uh, uh, do you remember alien in alien when they have like all of those eggs that just yeah. kind of like pop open and right. you know what that means. And there's like hundreds of these things, something very similar to that, but in the book in, in, in context of like dinosaurs. Right. So there are these amazing sequences in the book that never came to fruition in the films. And just like, uh, like I was kind of referencing James Bond earlier, one of the rules that uh, Barbara Broccoli and um, Michael Wilson have when creating a new James Bond script is always go back to the books. Ian Fleming gave them so much material to work with. And, you know, through creative license, you can extrapolate a little here, a little there, and kind of create a brand new story or, you know, expand on an existing story, right? So go back to the books, specifically the first book, because the second book wasn't all that great. But there's so many interesting things from the first book that they could have done in a, in a second movie. Do an entire movie with them on the water, doing whitewater rafting. Like, do, uh, do a, a Jurassic Park version of Deliverance, where instead of crazy hill people coming to kill you, you have dinosaurs coming to kill you and you're just trying to get off the island, right? Like that's, it's a very long-winded answer, but I think that's what I would like to see um, is keep the horror element. I don't care if you bring back old characters or create new characters, but get me to believe in the characters and care about them and then give me something that I haven't seen before in a non-contrived fashion. Okay, so now... With them doing the rebooting and they're bringing everybody back, we're going to have to pretend none of that happened. And let's say they were to reboot the first movie, 
same characters, Grant, Malcolm, they're all there, but they use today's people, not bringing anybody back, not a legacy kind of sequel type thing. They were just going to reboot it with stars from today. Who would you put in some of these roles? Oh, man. All right. Oh, wow. All right. Let's start with John Hammond, shall we? Oh, man. <laughs> Don't get me like I love I love everything about the original Jurassic Park, but I think we can all uh, agree that it, uh, it lacks in its diversity, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I want to put Idris Elba in everything because he's just such a great actor. He's not old enough to play um, uh, Richard Attenborough's character of uh, uh, Dr. Han or uh, yeah, Mr. Hammond. Um, Wow, I said I'm going to start with that one. I think I'll have to circle back because that's, I don't know. I mean, you could do stunt casting and do like a Jeff Goldblum version, but that would just be a very, very different. All right, let me, let me kind of, let me come back to this. Um, let me ask, do you have your own uh, cast of characters or is this I, just I a... do not. I, okay. I sit on this side of the table. I don't have to go through <laughs> any of this. <laughs> That's what I always I, tell people. So I wasn't sure if you had a few in mind that you're like, I would like to present this to you. Oh, let's see. Um, but I am in full agreement on getting Idris Elba in anything. So <laughs> I'm going to say Zach Efron as, um, as Dr. Uh, Alan Grant. Um, Zach Efron is becoming one of my favorite actors ever. Um, I think he's amazing. I think he's incredible. He's got like such charisma to him. Um, and he's fun. Like he's a very interesting and fun person to watch. So I would, I would put Zach Efron uh, as Alan Grant, Dr. Ellie Sattler. Oh man. Well, I'm, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to have you do something. Why you're thinking of this casual head. Tell me what from Zach Efron I should watch that makes him that great. Greatest showman. Okay, I'll give you that one. I was gonna go so I want to know. So yeah, I like him in that. I agree with that. I've seen that one. I agree with that one. Baywatch is a complete garbage movie, but I like his performance in it. Like he's very interesting to watch, and I think the character that he plays is a very relatable character. He's a douchey character, but he's a relatable character, right? I have not taken I have not taken the plunge on that one. So um, I've yet to see he has a brand new film out called Firestarter, which is a remake of you know Drew Barrymore's Firestarter. I've heard that movie shit. Yeah. That's what uh, I've heard. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that has less to do with his performance and more to do with uh both the directing and the editing. But um Probably. And, you know, maybe to a certain extent, the writing, but I would, I would very much like to see it just to, cause I do like Zac Efron a lot. I am also a huge proponent that when the MCU gets around to recasting uh, the X-Men, I would very much like to see Zac Efron as Wolverine, but that's personal. That's me. Um, I could see Zendaya playing Ellie Sattler. Um maybe a more grown-up version because i mean if you look at what she's done with euphoria and you look at what she's done in uh the spider-man movies vastly different characters 
vastly different characters. Um, I think Zendaya has a certain Gen Z appeal. I don't know if she would necessarily be right for the role, but I could definitely see big studios being like, no, she's got the name. She's got the talent. uh, So let's put her in this role. I could, I could, you know, yeah, I could see her playing that. It would just be, it wouldn't be, nor should it be a direct shot for shot recreation of the original Jurassic Park. We saw uh, Gus Van Zandt do that with Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. And while it was a brilliant experiment, it didn't work. You can't do a shot for shot remake with the same exact script, uh, with the same shots in the same lighting. Like it's just the heart and soul needs to be its own thing. So, yeah, I think if, uh, yeah, I could get. I could possibly get on board with Zendaya. That'd be a reunion for her and Zac Efron there. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess it would. <laughs> Greatest showman. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Huh. Yeah, I guess so. Man. Uh, the lawyer character is a complete like throwaway. You could get anybody to play that. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, um, no, I agree. But um, no, I think that, I think Ian Malcolm is the one that's that's a big selling point. Ian Malcolm, who would you get to play a wacky uh, uh, a chaotician in chaos theory? And do you still put in the open shirt scene that's so famous? No, but take you take that have, out. Okay. You take out that scene, but get like put whoever is cat. Like, I, I have a, a Mar- I'm a huge Frasier fan, so I have Martin Crane here. But like, let's just say that you put Martin Crane as like as the Doctor Ian Malcolm character. You'd have to put him in a completely different situation for a very sexy moment. But yeah, no, you couldn't recreate the uh, the open <laughs> shirt scene. Yeah, you'd have to do something ver- like uh, have him in the sh- like a shot in the shower or something, and somebody walks in. He's like, hey, <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like I don't know something. We're like I don't know. Uh, you see him from behind, and his towel drops to the floor. Oh, I'm 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 sorry. <laughs> I don't know. You'd need somebody quirky off the beaten path, uh, but not someone so quirky that they're going to replicate his performance. <sighs> what about a Robert England? I mean, huh? I mean, hey, as someone who literally has Robert England's signature. Yes. I, I, done. I, 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 I'm for it. So, <laughs> I mean, Robert, I got to meet him uh, a number of years ago at, uh, I think it was Salt Lake City Comic Con. Okay. Uh, Fan X, I think is what they call it. Uh, wonderful man. Just so down to earth and just giving with his time and his words and his energy um he's an incredible actor um not just for nightmare on elm street or all the other horror adjacent properties that he does but he's just a really good actor yeah i don't know this just came to me and i'm kind of latching on to this idea I mean, it's kind of a nebulous question because you could go in any direct, like there is an infinite possibility 
of combinations that you could put in here. Uh, these are literally just names that I'm thinking up off the top of my head. When this podcast is over, I'm sure I'm going to like rethink this and be like, ah, I should have said that. <laughs> All right. This is what I want you to do. You've shown your love for it, but I want you to give that one final pitch to someone who hasn't seen it, maybe needs to go back and give it a chance again, revisit it with new eyes. Just, that's why I always get people who love the movie because they're going to show the most passion for it. So give that final pitch on why someone should go back and revisit Jurassic Park. Look, all film is subjective, right? Not just film, but all art is subjective. We live in a day and age where opinions are subjective. So my feeling, my thought, how much I love Jurassic Park doesn't matter. It doesn't. In the end, the love that I have for this property, for this IP, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you are interested in. Let me put it like this. Dead Poet Society is in my top five favorite films of all time. It goes from, from top to bottom. Uh, Jurassic Park, The Blues Brothers, Lord of the Rings, Dead Poet Society, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. That's my top five currently. Subjectivity, that might change tomorrow. Who knows? Currently, that's what it is. So before I went to go see Dead Poet Society, everybody was telling me, oh, Robin Williams, you, you love Robin Williams. And I, I do. I, at the time, of course I did. Like, we all love Robin Williams. But that wasn't enough to get me to, to get interested in seeing Dead Poet Society. I watched that movie because there was a summer where I went to the public library and rented VH, VHS tapes because I had nothing else to do. And I watched everything that I was interested in. I watched everything on, on that wall. And the last movie that I watched that I was like, all right, fine. Everybody says, oh, good of a movie. I'll watch it. So I rented Dead Poet Society and it blew my fucking mind. It destroyed me in the best way possible. It broke down all the barriers of what I thought storytelling and inspiration and comedy and drama, it blew the doors off. Now, not everyone is going to have that same experience with that movie because that was personal to me. I got so much out of that movie. So where are you going with this, Mike? Well, let me answer that for you. <laughs> Sell me on Jurassic Park. Why are you talking about Dead Poets Society? Well, it's like this. All film is subjective. We all get something different from it. So if you've never seen it before, but all you hear about it are, oh, they're making more sequel movies. Well, there's a good reason why sequel movies keep getting made because they're based off of one property that is absolutely incredible. Fast and the Furious gets a pass from what I literally just said. But, you know, when you <laughs> when you have a, a, a series of films that continue to make money and if they didn't, they wouldn't continue to make them. That means they're popular. That means people like them. That means they mean something to them. Jurassic Park was the one that kicked everything else off. And for the rest of my life, I will say Jurassic Park is my favorite movie. And people will say, well, which one? To which I say, listen, asshole, there's only one movie called Jurassic Park. There's that's only fair. one. That's fair. And that's my favorite movie. 
if you if it's been a while since you've seen this movie and let me liken this to uh the film black panther i saw black panther in the theaters and i was blown away it was amazing i loved it i loved everything about it most things the ending a lot of marvel movies don't stick the landing but okay whatever um I loved it. I absolutely unabashedly loved I loved the music. I loved the characters. I loved the storytelling. I loved the cinematography. It was so cool. And then, you know, the movie was over and I left the theater and I had this incredible euphoria wash over me. Um, and then six months went by and I was like, that was a good movie. And then somebody was like, you know, what's, let's watch Black Panther. And I'm like, yeah, I remember really liking it. And then we sat down and watched Black Panther again. And it was like I saw it again for the first time. I forgot how much I loved that movie, how much it got inside of me and just made me happy and glowing. It was so fun. And I for, there was something about the fun of that movie that I'd forgotten, that it kind of washed away. So if you haven't seen Jurassic Park in a long time, go back and rewatch it. If, if they're going to, and you know, we live in the day and age where like, hey, let's bring this movie back to the theater. I got to see it for its 30th anniversary in 3D at Lincoln Center uh, in IMAX, in which, I mean, you're not in New York City, but for anyone who's not familiar with New York, there's a lot of IMAX theaters around New York, but there's only one true IMAX theater, and that is the one at Lincoln Center. And it was, again, it was like going back to 1993 and seeing it for the first time. You know, Lex is hanging from the ceiling and dangling and there's a, t uh, a, a velociraptor on the floor reeling and they're trying to pull her up into the rafters and you, what's going on? Just go watch it. It's a fun, fun movie. It's just a fun movie. And you might get something from it. I don't know. That's that's my best pitch that I that I can give. Like, it's just fun. Just a good time. It's a well-made movie with a great score. Yeah. Don yeah. Williams. How can you go wrong, man? Oh, <laughs> you're definitely correct with that one. So, yeah, no, I think you gave a great pitch. And I think that's going to wrap this one up. So why don't you tell everyone once again where they can find you? your company, all that stuff. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, you can follow me on social media at solo improv. Um, I think I recently changed my Instagram handle. Uh, cause I, once upon a time I had a YouTube show where I talked about the same kind of stuff of movies and movie news and whatever. Uh, and so I changed my Instagram handle to at GLT movies, which stands for gotta love them movies. You can look up my YouTube channel. Gotta love them movies. I have over 900 videos that I've made and put up. Nobody watches them. <laughs> look at the view count. It's like one, one view, six views, four views. Uh, there's a reason that I stopped doing the YouTube thing, but uh, yeah. So uh, check me out at pineappleimprov.com. Um, if you work for a company where you're saying to yourself, we need a little bit more team building exercises, or um, there's some real communication misfires happening within our atmosphere, or maybe you're working with a client and you need to give a presentation and you just deer in headlights whenever you're giving this presentation out of stage fright. Give me a call. Check out my website, uh, pineappleimprov.com. 
and uh, uh, I'll come down and do some workshops with you guys. You're not going to be improv masters, but hopefully we can get you to a place where you feel comfortable with the uncomfortable and just have some fun. Let's have some fun back in the office again. Yeah, sounds good. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at YNFMoviePod. Easiest thing to do, go to linktr.ee slash YNFMoviePod. Social media, podcast platforms, YouTube channel, my letterbox, all that stuff is there. And until then, we'll be back next week with a new movie and a new guest. And who knows, that may become your next favorite movie. You guys take care. I'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. 